You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. This is part two of our interview with Kelly McCasland on confidence in women. In part one, we talked about where we get our confidence and why it's important to know where to get confidence as women. We talked about the four stages of feminism throughout history and how that has affected women's confidence in positive and negative ways, as well as beginning the conversation on different areas we can have confidence. So today we continue the conversation with Kelly on confidence and women. On today's podcast, we want to take a look at confidence and how we can best give that to our daughters from the perspective of a Christian worldview. Yeah, I think this is such a loaded topic and it's going to be so good. I'm excited for it. And we have a guest with us today to help walk us through this conversation. We're excited to introduce Kelly McCaslin. Welcome, Kelly. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I am 44 years old. I'm married to Evan. We just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. We have two children, a boy and a girl. I am a Middle Tennessee born and bred native, and um, I'm a registered dietitian by education. I also have my master's in exercise science. I'm not practicing dietetics right now. I manage some rental houses, and I substitute at a local elementary school and do the mom thing. Talk to us about the confidence that you were taught to do the right thing and to stand up for others. You've got some cool stories. Well, I have a story of where I lacked confidence, and this was recently. Um, and we, I talk with my children, like, knowing the right thing to do is not just the same as it's doing it. That's a two-step, in my opinion. Knowing it, identifying it, and then having the courage and the confidence to act on it. So as a dietitian, I see, and as a people watcher, I see things in eating habits and trends and and body image issues and all that that maybe other people don't see. Now, I haven't worked in eating disorders as a clinician, but it was part of my education and internships and things like that. So a couple of years ago, my daughter, who is 13 now, she had a friend come over and stay the night and my daughter was telling me, this friend, she's changing some of the things that she's eating. She's been doing this new sport, and they've talked to them about nutrition. And so she's not eating things with sugar in it and sweets and things like that. And I said, okay. And so this was, I think the girls were 11 at this time. So I thought, okay, well, I'll abide by that because as a dietitian, I want to make healthy things anyway. And so uh, my daughter had picked out the meal that they were going to have and all of that. But I also had some sweet alternatives for dessert that night. And I just, for lack of a better term, I just wanted to test her to see where we stood with this. And so we all, my family, and we all had the dessert. And this little girl at the age of 11 abruptly refused it. And I thought, that's pretty um, that's a pretty determined mindset already at the age of 11. And the ability to resist this dessert. And so that was in the spring. The summer came and the little girl had her own birthday party. And it was a cookout and swim and ice cream and that kind of thing. So when my daughter got back in the car, I was asking, you know, who was there? What did y'all eat? You know, 
and they had done, I think, banana splits or ice cream sundaes, that type of thing. So I was saying, you know, what did you have on yours? What did so-and-so have on theirs? What what kind of toppings did you, what did the birthday girl have on hers? Well, she didn't eat any. So even at her own birthday celebration, she didn't partake in the, the sweets. In September of that year, I saw her again at somebody else's birthday party. And I, it took my breath away because the leggings were baggy that she was wearing. Her little t-shirt was showing her collarbone and it was just protruding and her face looked gaunt. And so I knew back in March when she was at our house and I told Evan, I said, she's on her path to an eating disorder. Mark my words. And I didn't say anything to her mom. In the summer, I didn't say anything. And, you know, seeing all the little girls in their bathing suits, you know, they're all little bitty, but she was already thin at that point. In September, I didn't say anything. And I stood there talking to her mom for a while, and I didn't say anything because it was uncomfortable, because I knew they were pouring money into the sport, and she was really enjoying it and liking it. And I didn't want to be the disruptor or the know-it-all or whatever. So that fall... We have a race here in town called Burrow Dash, and I saw them, and the mom came up to me, and she said, hey, I know you're a dietitian. We're realizing there's some issues. Can you recommend a pediatric nutritionist or pediatric dietitian? And it took the mom saying something for me, for me to finally have the confidence to be like, okay, there's my, there's my open door to say something. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'll email you this weekend. As I'm emailing her, of course, I had reached out to some other um, healthcare professionals who are more ver- well-versed in what's going on right now. So I'd reached out to them for some resources. And I'm sending all this information to the mom in an email, and I'm bawling. And I'm I'm writing on the email. I'm saying, please forgive me for two things. One, for being bold, and what I'm about to tell you is going to rock your world. And for two, please forgive me because I knew this was coming eight months ago, and I haven't said anything to you. And I said, I'm 100% believe your daughter has an eating disorder. And so that was the end of November. By February, she was in an eating disorder clinic in Chicago for four months, living alone or in that facility Mm -hmm. as a 12-year-old without her family Mm -hmm. down here in Tennessee. And she got released and she continued therapy. And I think there were some um, adjustments in their family and their home and, and things like that that have helped put her on a much better path now. But it was my lack of confidence that didn't say something when I should have because it was uncomfortable. And I think we avoid uncomfortable a lot as females. And I think there is a line of being the know-it-all, the I know it's best for you being overconfident and then knowing things that are happening and just not having the confidence to step up and help out. So the mom forgave me. She said, I just appreciate you addressing it now. Don't worry about what's happened. But I just wonder as a human, if I had addressed it earlier, what would that path have been Mm -hmm. versus withholding the information that I knew? Thank you for sharing that. This vulnerable story. We we could all say, I'm thinking of my own. Yep. Turned to my husband in my 20s. That couple's going to get divorced. And I just sat there and watched them do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like watching a slow motion train wreck. Um, it is uh, um, a confidence issue. It's an American mind your own business, do your own thing issue. Um, I think a, a good caveat that's buried in your story there 
is you said like, I knew it, but I was hesitant to say it. That's a really good barometer of just, okay, I need to go deeper with this and let's talk to the Lord about it and just like get some confirmation here. What, what does scripture say? Yes. And I did not do that. Holy Spirit. Are you like learning to listen to that nudge of the Holy Spirit? If you're chomping at the bit (laughs) to give your opinion, Maybe also check. Yeah, the <laughs> odds are. If is this from the Lord or is this from my? If it doesn't hurt you to say it, yeah. then you probably. It's, yeah. uh, yes, do I just think I know better and I'm, uh-huh. I really will revel in saying it? But yeah. you, that's two very different perspectives. Very, yeah. That's usually a good barometer. Is if this is going to hurt me to say it, I probably should. I love that. And if it's yeah. so easy and it's like I'm kind of enjoying it a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe keep that to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> keep mm. that to yourself. Yeah. I had a. Um, a different sort of situation one time come up at a locker room in a different state. And there were lots of women in this locker room of all different ages. And I'm in my stall getting dressed and outside the stall, I hear this teenage girl laying into her friend. And I could see from the crack of the stall, this, this girl was, she was overweight Mm -hmm. and she was, um, you know, kind of plain. She was, not a popular girl. Yeah. And this, her friend was just telling her, I don't know why you can't hurry up. You're so worthless and we didn't want you to come anyway. And just, I mean, it went on and on and on. And the girl started to cry and I didn't want to tell my mom and I didn't want you to come. And it was, she wasn't with her friends. She was just, it was the one-on-one, these two girls until, I mean, my heart was breaking in the stall for this girl. Like, stop. I'm like, stop already. And I normally would have been the person who, that's not my business, um, whatever, but I guess something in my mom jeans kicked in and I got done getting dressed and I walked outside. I said, I want you to know I heard every single word that you said. And I don't know where you think you get off (laughs) telling this girl, but she is just as good as you are and she deserves to be here. I mean, you know, I'm building up this other girl and you could, as, as I'm talking, this other girl standing up a little bit straighter and she's wiping her eyes and she's just, I mean, grateful, Mm -hmm. I guess that someone had been there to witness that. And again, you don't know, I don't know what path these people may never think of me again, this weird, (laughs) crazy lady (laughs) in the locker room. But if it makes that girl, the the bully, think twice next time because she was like, you know, yes, ma'am. Yes, yeah. ma'am. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. I don't know. Then it was worth doing it. It was worth my embarrassment and, and whatever. It was worth doing it. So, yeah, the confidence to stop ugliness like that. I read something yesterday and it was mom's kind of saying, how do you address this when your girl's being bullied or your child is being bullied? And one of the consistent comments was, have the one who is being mistreated or being bullied say, why are you being mean? Why are you saying that? I don't view myself that way. I don't know why you think of me that way, but that's not how I view myself, which that takes confidence to say that and to believe that. And that, as you were saying of that girl, you know, she's made just the same as you are. She's God's child. She's important. Y'all are different, but she's equally as important. Mm -hmm. So it takes sometimes just saying, why would you say that to somebody? Right. I had a time in middle school where I was saying mean things about a girl, and it was stemming from jealousy. She was pretty. She was popular. She was funny. All the things. And so I was being mean about her. She called me on the phone, and she wasn't mean to me, but she said, hey, Kelly, this is so-and-so. 
I hear you've been saying X, Y, Z about me. Why are you saying that? It's not true. Oh my, I was so embarrassed. And I said, you know what? I She called me on it. I said, I should not have done that or said that. I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. And she was kind about it. How brave of her to yes. do that. No one would ever do that today because it's all anonymous on social media and you don't have to own up to anything face-to-face. But that right there yes. diffuses the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could yeah, step up and be like, all right, <laughs> like no. say that to my Bring face. back some Gen Tell X interactions. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> Pick up the phone. Some playground reckoning. Face to face. Okay, so back to your story about the eating disorder situation and body image in general. I think, gosh, so much of what women are taught, young girls are taught from a young age, um, is that our worth, our value, our identity is in our appearance. Yes. And so the skyrocketing of eating disorders and such as what you're seeing from social media. Um, I just saw a thing the other day that um, they did a study on TikTok. They created a false account for a 13-year-old and within 2.6 seconds, eating disorder information was being forced through to that account. Wow. And within 13 seconds, there was... Yeah, it was something else. I can't remember what it was, but it was just astonishing. um, From men, she was getting... Like message, messaging right. about In, inappropriate things yeah. like that from a false account. So mm-hmm. you yeah. think that that kind of stuff is innocent. It's like the algorithm is skewed to push that kind of information. Um, and there's this awesome account on Instagram I'm going to point you all to. It's called at birds underline bees. And they had some awesome stuff the other day. You and I talked about it a little bit, Kelly. Yeah. Um, just advice to your children. Don't talk to your child at all about their body except for function and boundaries. Don't say anything if she's lost weight and don't say anything if she's gained weight. This goes for you and your girlfriends as well. If you think your daughter's body looks amazing, don't say that. And this is the hard one. Don't talk about your body or your diet, how many carbs that you've had or how you wish you could eat those French fries, but you can't or other women's bodies, good or bad. Because I don't know about you. The entire time my daughter was growing up, people would say, she looks just like you. Mm -hmm. I know you've heard that, Renee. Mm -hmm. Your daughter looks so much like you. And then I'm saying, oh, I can't fit in. Oh, don't put me in that picture because this is so bad. Or I can't fit in this or whatever, blah, blah, blah. What is the logical conclusion? Even if you're not saying it out loud in in her mind, I look like mom. Mom doesn't look like, doesn't like how she looks. Yeah. What does that mean about me? Close the loop right there. Yep. What do you do with your daughter? Well, as a dietitian, I think I've had a little bit of a leg up than just the general mom coming into having children, um, just having the knowledge of eating disorders and all of those things. So we don't talk about diets. I'm, I'm not on a diet. I don't do diets. We don't talk about that. We talk about how strong our bodies are, if um, we're working on flexibility, strength, that we physically can do anything we want to do. If I want to go run a half marathon, I can physically do that. I'm going to train for that. And I don't talk about calories, amount of fat, amount of protein. I just say, make sure you get some protein in today. We talk about what are protein sources that are healthy. We talk about, okay, you you have had a lot of sugar, you know, your sugar, your sweet tooth is, is taking over, cut back a little bit on that. But I don't talk about her weight or my son's weight. We don't, I think the males need to be included in that too because they're not um, absent from the eating disorder. That's a growing growing category. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so we don't talk about numbers. We don't talk about looks. When we see other people out and about, out running and exercising and things like that, we're always like, look at them getting after that. There's a man that we pass a lot of our mornings on the way to school, and he has to be mid-80s, and he's out riding his bike on the country roads, and we're always cheering for him from inside the car. And just women, you know, you can sometimes see, but maybe they're just getting into exercise or things like that, and they're older, and celebrate that with your children. She's getting out there, getting after it, and we can do that too. And we talk about how we were given one body, and it's a temple, and we need to treat it as well as we can, which includes healthy food, exercise, strength, flexibility, all of those things. So those are those are the conversations we have at home. Just a healthy body image that everybody looks different, height, weight, all of that is different. So whatever you've been blessed with, take the best care of it with yeah. what you're putting in your body and how you're treating it. I think the opposite of a healthy body image is not necessarily believing that you're beautiful, but believing that your presence is more valuable than your appearance. Yes. That's your, that is your image and that's your identity. That back to what we were talking about, the formation of everything, my presence and who I am and who is within me, you know, I could get burned up in a house fire. Yes. (laughs) And that still remains. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that trend is so, you know, is it long hair? Is it straight hair? Is it curly hair? Is it this kind of makeup, this kind of clothes, whatever it is, how it fits on your body, that changes so fast. And it's mind boggling to try and keep up with that. But if you just try and take care of what the good Lord has given you, then just stay that course. Mm -hmm. That's good. What about, we just briefly touched on it. Let's dig a little deeper here. What about social media and confidence. We we got Bonnie and I got blindsided by social media. Our our girls were like um junior high-ish when it started to come out and we were all exploring together. There's mm-hmm. so much more knowledge now. Right. As uh, Doug Smith said on our interview, mm-hmm. it's cigarettes. It's the cigarettes of uh, this generation. Yep. Um but what are you seeing? As I've said, my daughter is 13. She doesn't have any social media access, but I know a lot of her girlfriends and classmates do. And I see how it affects their attitude, how it affects what they want to wear and how they want to dress and um, and their confidence. And I know as a 44-year-old, there's things I don't do on social media because I know it will affect me because I'll have that mindset of that fear of missing out or oh, that hurts my feelings. Those people had that party or gathering or whatever. So I I know enough and I'm capable enough to not put myself in a position to constantly be disappointed or have my feelings hurt. These kids, they don't have that regulator, I don't think. And so I think social media has is having a huge – I think it's going to be the death of society, but it's having a huge impact mm-hmm. on self-confidence and if you were included and why weren't you included and what you look like and what you were wearing and all those things. It's tied into that. And again, it comes back to identity. Is your identity in Christ and knowing that you're special and God's child or that you got invited or didn't get invited? And I think it's become – normalized to have this braggadocious culture. I'm not going to walk up to you in person and say, I bought this and I have this and I had these people over, but people put it out there as a picture 
or a statement or whatever, and it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's still braggadocious. Mm-hmm. It's just a different avenue. That's a that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. But, and it's normalized. It's not and it's not just in the 15-year-olds. They are learning from the 40-year-olds, the 50-year-olds, the 60-year-olds who are hashtag blessed, you know, and I'm not on those things. So I, I'm not criticizing anybody who's who's done whatever, but um, the girls and the boys right now are learning from our generation mm-hmm. and the ones ahead of us. Mm-hmm. We've set the precedent. Right. So you can teach them how to change a tire and get a bank account. You can also teach them how to use social media or not. Yeah. Yeah. You or do just, have that power. I'm just, just, a, yeah. just saying. I did, I did somebody say like teaching your child to use social media is like teaching them how to um, smoke pot well. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want them to be good pot smokers. Right. So or, we're going to have classes on how to do that. Right. I, I mean, I, I think that that it is, yeah, it's just so bad for our mental health. And we're just now in the beginning stages of, of outing all the companies yeah, and the are. data mm-hmm. behind it. And they're after your girls in particular. Social media, it's abysmal yep. for mental health. Yeah. It's so, so just know that when you're, when you're giving your child access to TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, it's not just dangerous, like with the sending all that bad content to them it's it's tanking their mental health for all the reasons kelly mentioned too so it's it's in so many ways so 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 bad here's here's a way to decide okay when here's when it's okay to give your child social media whenever it is that you want their childhood to end (laughs) that's when you can give it to them now whenever that may be different that's a great that is great barometer childhood to end hand it over because it's true yeah Wow, that's so good, Bonnie. Say goodbye to innocence and say goodbye to <laughs> outside play mm-hmm. and yes. unobstructed attention and all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also important if you are going to give your children access or even for yourself to to have the conversation of you're the gatekeeper of what you put out there and what you consume. So if you need to do some self-checks of this isn't so healthy, this is healthy, this is not in line with what I believe as a Christian you know, it's a gate check. I found this website. The girl's name is Britta Long, and her website is muddlingthroughagain.com. And she had some comments about things to check for social media. And she referenced Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So that's her her meter on what she consumes or what she puts out. She asks the question. <laughs> well, that narrows it down yeah. quite a bit. <laughs> is it true? Is it honorable? Is it just? Is it pure? Mm-hmm. Is it lovely? Is it admirable? So that's her metric. And I think that's great. That's a great little thing to tell your kiddos or or even yourself, okay, before you consume that person's content or you put it out, think back to Philippians 4, 8. I love that. (laughs) 9.9 times out of 10, the answer to all those questions is no. (laughs) No. No. I I had asked myself a question when I looked at my social media account. I, I tried to get curious, Bonnie. We say this all the time. Get curious about yourself. I got curious about myself and said, okay, if I didn't know me and I just opened up my account, what would I think mm-hmm. about myself? Like, what would people learn? <laughs> and it's interesting because because you get a good little peek into your heart about mm-hmm. what 
what you're interested in people knowing about you, what you think is worthy of putting out there. Yeah. It's a good question to ask. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, it would definitely make a it statement. Cha- it changed kind of my perspective on how much I use it and what I use it for. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there are some great accounts that I follow on Instagram oh, yeah. that are Christian moms and they, they're cooking fabulous meals and they're working on their garden. And, and the, you know, so there is good, wholesome content out there. It's just. Yeah. Like, great stuff about parenting it. and marriage. Yeah. And yeah. It's easy to. I don't know what happened on my Instagram feed. <laughs> you got down some rabbit hole. I went down some rabbit holes in my algorithm. It is crazy. I got to go. I got to rein that in, clear the trash out of it. But yeah, it just got, it used to just be some friends, but most of my friends are not on there. So then I was like, oh, I'll just follow some other accounts. And now I can't even find my friend's content. It's like gone, disappeared. So it can happen. It can happen. Yep. So let's talk about a couple more things, closing out the conversation on confidence. What do you think about parents using Life360, which is how we can track our children's movements? Where they are at any given time. Yeah, this is this is a heated topic, I think. And the first time I heard about it, it was, I don't know, two or three years ago. And a female friend of mine asked me, she said something about like 360, do we use it? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. What is that? And she says, oh, it's where you can track people via their phone. And I can be very sarcastic. And so I said, well, last time I checked, I didn't have an anklet on and I wasn't on parole and my husband's not my parole officer. That was a little harsh, but it's what I said. And that's, I still feel that way. Um, I don't, we don't utilize it. I've told my daughter now, granted, she's 13, almost 14. I don't have the experiences of somebody who's had a 17 year old who's gone rogue, but I was not reared that way. Evan and I don't intend to to do that. Our perspective, and it might be naive. Somebody might say, "Well, you're you're not there yet. You're you're just being naive." If we don't trust either of our children, I, they're not going. If we don't trust who they're going to be with, they're not going. Mm-hmm. So, did I do things I shouldn't have done? Yes. Did I lie? Yes. As a teenager, you know things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I learned a lot of lessons. I gained a lot of confidence through figuring things out when I shouldn't have been in that situation. So I think it's it's misleading too. Okay, so you know they've moved from the school parking lot to the Target parking lot. Well, they could still be doing whatever in the car. You know where they are, but it doesn't solve any problem other than knowing where they are. And honestly, again, I, I can be very blunt and sarcastic. It's really no different than somebody getting in the car and following behind the person, just literally tracking them everywhere they're going. It's it's made it comfortable. Like you can sit at home and you don't have your bra on and you're watching where your people are going. Like it's this. Let's be honest, Kelly. Some of us are out without our bras on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You did not. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to say, there are ways before we had, when our kids were coming up, we had just had smartphones and social media, but we did not have the tracking ability. And there are other ways to track your kids. Yeah. I mean, you can do it the embarrassing way and call ahead and check with the mom that they're supposed to be going to or check yeah. with the, you know, you can check yeah. up on them if you're not trusting them or um, tell them, I will be checking to make sure that you make it there to like ensure 
I'm going to guarantee the trust. So you don't have to have that. And it kind of goes along with the stuff that we've talked about before, our anxiety culture of our youngsters that I think we sometimes create because we can look at any test grade, any homework grade, anything they do at school, the moment that it's turned in, we can keep track of all of their movements and where they are. We're on top of them all the time and no other culture, no other group of people in our society except what, like you said, prisoners yep. and institutionalized mental patients yep. are as tracked as our young people are today. And, and they were communicates, we don't think you're capable. You are not capable. And those people were tracked because they were harmed to themselves and to society. My daughter is not a harm to herself nor to the society, so I don't need to track her. Mm-hmm. Is how I feel about it. But I, like you said, I think it teaches them you're not capable. I'm going to have to help you with this. And I think if you're going to start it, ask the question: When are you going to stop? Why are you starting it? I think it's become this normalized thing of well, it's available. So-and-so's doing it. So-and-so's doing it. We need to do it too. Why? What What does it teach you or what does it teach them and what are you gaining from sitting there tracking somebody on the phone? Because you can. When my daughter gets to somebody's house, she can call me and say, hey, we're here. Okay. Right. Thanks. Right. We have the old-fashioned way. I know. The 80s way, Bonnie. My um, in-laws liked to keep track of the grandkids just so they kind of knew where they were, what they were doing. Um in a general sense, not creepily, but I will say there was a time my son was at college and they went on some kind of a fraternity something and they happened to be out in the middle of this, uh, somebody's pasture for a long time in the middle of the night. And my father-in-law got so bent out of shape and <laughs> went down this imagination rabbit trail of what could be happening. He doesn't need to be there. Da, 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 da. And they tried calling him and getting in touch with him or whatever. And he told them, you have lost privileges with the... <laughs> The Live 360, click, I am not being seen anymore. Yeah. So it can backfire on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good That's a good conversation, something to think through. Again, get curious about yourself. Why yeah. are you using it? Why do you want to use it? How are you using it? And I think another question to ask, if, y'all, if, if it's a married couple and they're doing it on their children, was it the wife's idea? Was it the husband's idea? Who's doing the monitoring? Because what I'm finding, because I try and stay out of these conversations just in general, because I feel so strongly about it. But it's all stem from what I'm hearing and realizing it's stemming from the woman that's wanting this. Not all the time, but majority of the time it's stemming from mom who has, who's uptight or anxious or whatever about where they are, where they're going. Um, And that's a confidence thing. It's an anxiety thing. And it's also my entire identity is my child. Yes. Mm-hmm. And not where it should be. Right. And they they might yeah. be in the right place and still having inappropriate relationships or still doing drugs. They're at the right place. We know that. But they can still be doing whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a good curious thing. Why are you anxious mm-hmm. about your, why are you so anxious about your child? And what does, yeah. um, are you remembering is. the feeling, Bonnie? Like when... I can remember the feeling when I was 16 and my parents let me drive down Memorial Boulevard to go to dinner with my girlfriend and thinking like, I'm out by myself. How empowering that That was. That was very empowering to be out by yourself. And um, our kids are never out by themselves. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. By full disclosure, we use it and like it. And I'm 
fixing to say it in the southern way i'm fixing to get my parents on it and we need to know that you're we, okay. i want to know where you are but the reason we've kept our privileges because then our kids you know left our house grew up and married and left our house like they're running their own lives it's because we never called them and checked up on them mm-hmm. it was more for convenience like i was texting them to see if they were there and they were going to text me when they were driving i was like oh that's a bad habit so i'll just peek at that oh yeah you made it there okay great but you're right they can just call and do that so just get curious. Mm-hmm. What are your motives and what is it doing? What are, you, what are you creating by using it? So confidence in relationships. Your kids are not quite there yet, I would right. think. So no. what are your thoughts on that as you're seeing that approach? I see that more from what I've experienced with my girlfriends and just seeing society in general, the the rate of divorces and bad relationships and things like that. And I think think one reason it's prominent in Christian families and Christian relationships is back to we're taught from the scripture, turn the other cheek, treat others how you want to be treated, the fruit of the spirit, all of those things. And I think it stops there and it doesn't get taught, look for red flags. All of you Christian people that we are teaching all of the scripture to, that doesn't mean you have to marry it. That doesn't mean you have to date it. And I think a lot of Christian females, we want to be the savior and, and fix this problem and love this person out of this and, and those type of things. And so the divorces that are 20 years into a marriage and get divorced or 10 years into a marriage and get divorced, I th- and this is, again, I'm not educated on this. It's just my people watching and my deduction of that. They didn't look at the red flags when they were 18, 24, whatever it was when they were dating. And then those, all those things have manifested and become things now. And now it's like, what are we going to do with this? This is a problem. So the drinking, the, the, the poor treatment of whatever, the, the anger issues, whatever, that were here simmering as a 20-year-old or a 24-year-old now are problems at 40 years old or Mm. 50 or 60, whatever it is. And so I think I come from a family that's, but doesn't have a strong Bible history. So my family is very skeptical. You know, why is that person doing that? Why are you doing that? It's, you know, skeptical. And um, that's the mindset I grew up, grew up in. And so I wasn't taught just accept it. You know, you need to be, you need to be skeptical about why that person's acting that way or behaving that way. Don't just accept it and try and love them out of it. Like, Mm -hmm. Turn and run was more what I was taught. And I don't think that's taught in a lot of Christian homes. And I may be wrong, but when I look at people my age or around my age, they just didn't. uh, There's a quote in a movie or in a book that I read. I didn't see what I didn't look for. And I think that's so true that a lot of times the, the flags are there, they're flying, they're flying. And people are like, nope, they're fine. We're just going to love them through it. Mm-hmm. And, but it doesn't always work out so well. Right. I think that's totally true. Just because you're marrying, if your most important thing is to share faith with someone else, I mean, that's great. But there are plenty of faithful people who have lots of those red flags. Yeah. So I would agree with that. You need to just talk through that with your kids and just say, what What do I mean when I say that? What should you look for? And what does that look like 10, 20 years down the road? Joey and Carla Link, who we had on here back in the fall, had a little teaching on this that I, I found really helpful. They 
um, suggested that we have our teenage children as they start to get interested in the opposite sex to kind of journal what they like in that person. Mm-hmm. So he, kind of to get, be an observer, to get curious. Mm-hmm. What do I like? What What's drawing me to this person? Make them articulate it. And then as they continued to get to know them and they started to see red flags, re- require them or suggest actually, just suggest, hey, write that down too. Yeah. Now, now what do you think about that? Based on your personality, how do you think that's going to go? And just kind of had those casual conversations. They're not in a, even in a relationship. You're just kind of helping them learn to know themselves, know what type of person might be good for them, might be less good mm-hmm. for them. There's no soulmate out there, by the way. That is that the way that you phrased that, Renee, was so nuanced and good. I'm not sure if our listeners caught that, but to ask that question. What do you think about that and how do you think, given your personality, that's going to go is a very different approach than this is what I see in that guy and you are not seeing him anymore. Yes. Mm -hmm. To let that Mm -hmm. settle from their perspective and have it be their idea is night and day different than I'm 40 years old and I'm seeing these red flags. Let me just point all that out to you. Give your kids some credit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You wanted to, you want them to, to be. Um, as self-reflective as they can be. I mean, there's there's no substitute for life experience. But somehow, you know, it was I really do think it was just God's gift to me. When I was 18 and going to college, I just made a list. Like, here's the qualities I'm looking for in a man. And to just, I think it was just my personality type. You know, I'm an ISTJ, so I'm a list maker and researcher. And I was like, I'm, I'm looking for these qualities. I went, went to scripture. I looked at my personality, even though I was super naive about myself and was had <laughs> I mean, a yeah, lot of blind 18. spots, you know? had a lot of blind spots. Um, and, and I was able to do that. Joey and Carla took it a step further to even not just the list you're looking for, but now as you're meeting people, what am I seeing in them? Mm-hmm. And, and how is that going to work with me? And, and just trying to help them be objective uh, the red flags thing is such a, I didn't know that. That's an actual thing. You probably don't know that, do you, Kelly? No. On social media? No. So mm-hmm. the girls have like, what's your red flag? Oh, and no. it, it's like kind of a joke. Like um, he orders pumpkin lattes at Starbucks. Red flag. <laughs> <laughs> what's a yellow flag? Like maybe I could live with that. And then what's a green flag? You know? <laughs> right. And for guys, it's like a uh, hairdresser, horse girl. <laughs> Girls named Tiffany. <laughs> Just kidding. I have a dear friend named Tiffany. Yes. Not you, Tiffany. <laughs> but right. but that's that's not um, just dating re- relationships. It's friendships too. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to talk my daughter through some not so nice girl yes. friendships in high school. Yeah, talking about having the conversation. What does a healthy friendship look like? What is a healthy boy-girl relationship, what does that look like? Instead of it just being like, oh, is he nice? Does he have a nice family? Is she nice? Is, are y'all cute together? Uh-huh. You know, uh, and it's worth drilling down on this because um, there were a couple of friendships that said, you know, it's okay to walk away. Yeah. It's not okay to not forgive them. You must forgive for because to obey Jesus first and foremost, and it's bad for your health if you don't. So I had to encourage, especially my daughter, to to be able to walk away from some friendships that were not beneficial. Um, and there were dear Christian women in our circle who very much believed otherwise. 
they believed like what you were saying we hear a lot. It If you walk away from that friendship, that's not being Christ-like. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the equivalent of not forgiving. You have to stay in relationship with them or you're not forgiving. And I personally believe that is an untrue. I agree. That, um, that you can draw the line between, you know what? We're just not bringing the best out in each other uh, when we're around each other. It's okay to cool off. That's right. There's plenty of people you can invite to your table and have a meal with, but you don't want them in your car for a long road trip. 100%. Take that metaphor where you will. (laughs) Yeah, You don't want them along for the whole ride of your life because they're just not going to be fun. So telling telling a teenage girl, even an older teenage girl, you know, have you really forgiven her because you're not in relationship with her? I think that's terrible advice. Mm -hmm. That's a terrible question to ask. Um, to pit being in relationship as equivalent to forgiving. Because, you know, again, you're learning about life in those teenage years. You're learning, like, what good good friendships look like. And it's our responsibility to help help them navigate that. Yeah. And I think it comes back somewhat to confidence to identify healthy aspects of friendships or non-healthy and to see it play out and to have the confidence to say, I'd I need to step away from that. That's not healthy for me. That's not how I want my friendships to be. I'm going to have to find this new group to hang out with or do with do things with. I think that takes confidence. It does. You can and you don't. You can be honest and kind. Yes. You know. You don't have to just be blunt. Those work together. Mm-hmm. Yes. All the ways to speak love and truth. Yep. But it's and I tell my daughter too, like things that she's dealing with now, we still deal with in our 40s and 50s. You know, navigating the girlfriend yeah. relationships and. Mm-hmm. The um, romantic relationship, you're just navigating it all and sticking up for what you know you should stick up for and yeah. behaving how you should. And Yeah, find your voice. Mm-hmm. Just to put a okay bow on it. this, I love uh, you quoted from Philippians mm-hmm. just a minute ago, and I had a little note here from Philippians 1. Oh. Um, I was like, Paul said this prayer or something. I'm, I'm remembering this phrase in my mind, and it's um, verses 3, 4, 5, and 6 from chapter 1. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Yeah. It's such a beautiful walk with Christ because you're it's not just we're image bearers. We have security in our status and where we're headed. We're his child and we'll be with him for all eternity. And now you have the confidence to know, oh, I can just go try stuff yeah, with Jesus along with me. Yes. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in me is going to carry it on to completion. I'm going to try and partner with him. But mm-hmm. in the end, he's going to carry it to completion. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the trying without the having to. So put your shoulders back and put your chin up <laughs> and straighten your crown. <laughs> and let's go into this week, ladies. I love this. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us and yes. giving us your input on this. Thank you for having me. It's been me. a good conversation. We're going to have the links that Kelly talked about and more on our website at justaskyourmom.com. If you could please take five seconds to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen to us and share us with your friends, we would love that. And send us your topic suggestions to justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Mom. Mom.